0: Here a little bit. Yeah. So I need to be done by eight. Is that right? Eight o'clock. Yeah. Okay. Maybe turn off the lights that are right there in front. So is that can you see them well there? Back in the back? There you go. Yeah, there. Okay. Anyway, thanks. Uh thanks for letting me come tonight. I really appreciate it. And again, thanks for the use of the vehicle. That's a huge blessing and a savings for us as we has uh, come here. Angie wasn't able to come because our third daughter, Lydia, is having her first child. Um, turn it down a little bit. Her first child, um, It's due, she's doing about higher. Higher. higher, not lower. Seems like it should be lower. Okay, anyway, um, maybe turn it down just a little bit. Just a little bit. There you go. So she's having her first child uh, due on the 13th, so Angie stayed home, and I'm driving her out to Maryland to be with her. Anyway, so it's a little bit about Cuba. Some of these slides um, you saw last year when I was here for the missionary class, but uh, this is a new one. We uh, Angie and I went in February again this year. That was our th- my third trip to Cuba, um, and then I'm, Lord willing, going back in August, and kind of our plan is at least uh, two times a year to go there. So we took... Um, eight bags that weighed 70 pounds each um i get six free and then they kind of gave me another one and uh, then we paid for one of them so filled with just i mean stuff that you go buy at walmart Uh, aspirin and band-aids and toothpaste and shampoo and stuff i mean some of that stuff's available some of it's not even available down there and if it is available uh, they have a, a ration system there so um, they control everything that's that they can buy. And uh, if they can't buy with the with the coupons that they have, they have to still have to pay for it, they have to buy it on a black market, and it's pretty expensive. So gasoline down there is about four dollars a gallon, just to give you an idea. Uh, a teacher earns twelve dollars a month. Uh, a doctor earns about sixty to seventy dollars a month. And we know one sister who was a doctor uh an anesthesiologist and her um pension is sixty dollars a month. So they don't have a lot. Um but the Lord has so provided. I know you all sent some funds other brethren have have given towards it and we were in February we took down about uh, nearly four thousand dollars worth of stuff in the bags. Um uh antiseptic, you know I don't know what you call it. You know, cream that like when you have a hurt, whatever you call it. Como se dice, no como se llama and and so and so we took all that stuff down and um, you know plan on doing some more. They give us a list of stuff that we can take and we try to buy that. Some of it we're not able. Some of it's prescription medicine. The thing about it, you know, you'll see a line that's a block long in front of the pharmacy, and and the people say, well, they're standing in line. They don't know first of all when they get up there if the thing that they ordered is going to be there. Number two, they don't know if it got there if the pharmacist sold it to somebody else. Or if he's holding it back for a friend or family member, are going to sell it on the black market. So they get there. I'm not talking about you know getting aspirin or you know, I don't know, Pepto-Bismol or something. I'm talking about getting insulin and um, you know medication that if you don't get it, you know, can you can die. And so they have trouble getting those things even. So some of the some of the funds we're able to give them helps with that. What we do is I took down about three thousand dollars in cash. And uh, we distributed that. We gave uh, the bulk of it to the assemblies to distribute among the brethren. And then some of it I just kept back, and I knew some widows that, that are there. And, I mean, to give them $50 is like giving one of you all $1,000. You know, it's just so amazing, you know, what, what what that is to them, what that means to them. And so uh, we were able to take that down there. Um this work? did not work. Down. I hit down, so is it working? No. Oh, there it went. I'll go back up okay, so so this is like the van we rode in. I mean this van is like ps I mean like the Munster's van, you know, or like one from Beverly Hills areas, but anyway, uh, and just I was able to get some money back in August last year to help him buy some shocks because i 'm telling you what brother, the roads there are tough. And you sit back in the back of that van, and after a few days, you're back at certain. So they fill this thing about three times every time they have a meeting to bring all the older, mainly older folks out from the various parts of town. Uh, with the town we go to is called Pinot de Rio. There's, there's about 30 assemblies uh, in the country, but there's only about five or six that we have fellowship with because the other 25 or so have gone off into Calvinism. And there's such a divide among the assemblies, either with one group or with the other, kind of like the gospel halls and the chapels, you know how that goes. Anyway, so this is the van. Uh, this is just it's just be- a beautiful country. I mean, the, it's, it's fantastically beautiful as a country, and yet it's a very sad place. This is the camp we stayed at. Uh, this is looking out from the camp, the, the trees that are there. There's the house. This actually was the Adams' house. You know, Al Adams, his, his parents, uh, this is the house they bought are built. And this is a camp that they built. So this is where they grew up and lived. Another shot of that house. This is the inside. This is a bedroom we stayed in. You know, just a luxury. It's a five-star hotel, actually, is what it was. But anyway, pretty nice. Um, you just have to, you know, share with some of the bugs in it. But that's okay. You know, we get by with that. Um, you know, just a very beautiful country. Even some of the buildings are really nice. You know, there's, of course, the Cuban flag there. And and uh, then the, that's the contrast. you got the beautiful houses. Then you got these... These old apartment buildings that are just falling apart. Uh, electrical wires that are just out. Anybody could go up and grab them, get, get shocked. And, uh, the steps are falling apart and it's just, it's just terrible. Uh, then you got nice homes like this. And then you got houses like this. And this is where the bulk of the people live in homes like this. And it's just, uh, it's a very sad, sad place. You got these big fancy homes like this and then you got like this, and I mean, this is some of the neighborhoods we went out to to visit some of the saints to go out and share the gospel. Um, you can share the gospel there freely; there's no problem. Like I said last time I was here, we went to this hospital, and and we were handing out gospel tracts in the ward we were in. You know, like there's like in a room the size of I don't know, uh, maybe the nursery back there or something. There's about half a dozen about a dozen beds you know so they're right next to each other you do any room to get in between them but we're handing out gospel tracts and one of the nurses comes up to us and says you know there's another ward over here that we need you to go hand down gospel tracts she's a believer so we're going to hand out over there and she said in fact if you can preach go ahead and preach so we preached and you know out there in the hospital well i don't know any hospital in the states where you can get away with handing out gospel tracts and preaching to y'all i mean used to be able to do that but you can't do that anymore she can do it there uh, there 's some of the streets of Pinar de Rio again just just beautiful streets and I just kind of show you this as a contrast and then that's that 's in Havana in some of the parts of the town of Havana just falling apart. I mean, can you imagine what these homes looked like back in the fifties when 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 uh the revolution took place and and the uh just haven 't gotten anything gotten, gotten anything uh, in the country uh there 's a theater there again, this is just just contrast. I wanted to show you kind of the contrast there. The, there's a little bit of, of nice places, but the bulk of it is like this. You know, this house is falling apart. In fact, you know, it's interesting. You, you, about the only thing you eat there is chicken as far as meat. In fact, it's illegal to kill a cow. You can't kill a cow. Even if it's your own cow, you can't kill it because it really doesn't belong to you. It belongs to everybody, you know. And so you can go to jail for killing a cow. And uh, But they get the Chickens, they get them from America. All the chickens come from America, and we were there. I'm on this diet. You know, I lost 70 pounds since last June. And so, so I'm on this keto diet, so I can't eat any, like, you know, I can only eat, like, protein, like, like meats and eggs and cheese and stuff like that. So anyway, so we want to get eggs. Well, for five days, we couldn't even find eggs. You couldn't find them. And they said to us, we might not have eggs until November. And so they went to another town, and through there they got some contacts and found us a carton of eggs. And uh, just, like I said, you walk into Walmart and how many eggs are there? You know, I mean, there's, you buy all the eggs you want, <laughs> you know, there's hundreds. Of, and if you bought all those, the next day would be filled again. But they're, they just, just basic things like that. Toilet paper, you know, you go buy a roll, you know, and you got to go look for it. And just things that you and I just so much take for granted, they just don't have there. Uh, there's a nice park. This is in a town called El Gabriel, where there's another assembly. And then right across the street is this the playground for the kids. Um, then there's just another, another shot of the kids playing baseball. So this time I was able to take down a bunch of baseball gloves and bats and, and balls. There's a brother there who, who, um, who has a little, works with the kids, you know, and so he gets them all out there. So they were all like playing with two gloves. So I took them down like nine, nine baseball gloves and took them down to about a dozen baseballs and, uh, three or four bats to be able to play and, and, minister to these kids. They just play with sticks and rocks, you know, if they can. And you, of course you got a lot of those you know, guys come up here in the States and and uh and play baseball here. Uh what's that? That's uh that's the fire station. Yeah, that's what that is. And then there's a pharmacy. Yeah, there you go. Fancy pharmacy there. Not quite like C V S. Uh this is um, this is one of the just the views from a uh um, park out there um, near uh where where we were in, in Pinar de Rio. And, uh, this is a, a, castle that's there in Havana. Again, just, just falling apart, you know, but, um, cause there's no money to, to rebuild it. Then you got the transportation. People walk. They wear umbrellas. You use umbrellas. Not because it rains, but you just keep the sun. It's so hot down there. And I don't like heat at all. There's none. Yeah, there's, that's hot. Anyway. And then they got these, uh, carts where they, you know, they like got a horse-drawn cart with a bunch of people in them. And then you got, of course, the bicycle with the guy pedaling, got one or two people back in the back of his bicycle. And you got these little motorcycle carts that got, they might put three or four people, half a dozen people in those while the guy drives that. And then you've got, um, oh, that's just another horse drawn. Oh no, that's, uh, some of these little motorcycle, um, ones that have like one guy, one or two people can ride in with the guy. And then this is a, this is a, I guess a taxi or a bus, I don't know, this thing's filled with people, there are probably 15 people in there. And, uh, just crammed in there. And then this is a bus, so it's like an, like a truck. That they just put windows around it and then they pour the people in there. So you can imagine what it, well, how hot it is and what it, what it smells like. Anyway, that's, that's that. And you got these old cars. Some of them are really, really nice, you know, and they all have diesel engines. They changed them all to diesel. And so they all have diesel engines in them because you can't buy really gas and gas is so high. And you got cars like this, you know, those are many taxis, you know, in Havana to take tourists around. And then you've got newer cars you most of the newer cars the government has brought in and has given either governmental officials or like like taxis that belong to the government and people drive. This is a couple of bros that went with us, and um uh we had this was a restaurant we ate at, and uh they're just um a couple of the brothers, uh, the one that's with the striped shirt is one of the elders in the assembly. And his other brother, Yvonne, is, is a a worker there who uh, does a lot of the teaching and preaching. Really, really solid, good brother. And this is the brother who he who gave the baseball stuff to. they had a meal with his family and wife and child, and it's his mother-in-law there with him. And then... Uh, this is funny because, you know, I took this picture one time and I couldn't get a picture of this right now. But I saw, you know, this the, when the Lord says like the hen that gathers her chicks under her wings, I actually saw that one time. So here's this hen out there and and the chicks start coming out and there's like a dozen of them, you know, like 14 chicks coming out. there. It's really funny. So you can find chickens, but you can't find eggs. So I don't know what that's all about. But anyway, some of the farm equipment there and uh, tobacco is a big, big thing, of course, in in Cuba and there's a tobacco, and they, it's all by hand. It's all done, they all the work's done by hand. So they're out there working in tobacco fields, which is hard work. And, of course, there's Che, one of the three, three or four that were the leaders of the revolution with the cigars, the cigar factory. And there's, um that's uh, Carmelo is on the far left, and then um Raul in the middle, and, of course, Fidel there on the side. And then we continue to defend uh the revolution. So the revolution hasn't stopped, according to them. It's still going on. And um, just praying, you know, just, just the unity. Um, and of course, there is no unity. Uh, the, the common people hate the government. They talk bad about the government all the time behind their backs. They can't do it publicly, but they um, they really hate the government. They are just they're afraid of them, you know, afraid of being imprisoned or, or even killed. And this, you know, he just this is again Chase says he, his dream is to have no no borders at all, uh, the world without any borders. And then he's, this is Fidel, of course, until the, until the victory. And then this is just another saying from Fidel on the wall there. And then this is against, this is against the blockade, you know. So, so it's really funny. They, they don't really want to get rid of the blockade, but they act like they do. And the reason they don't want to get rid of the blockade, because if the blockade was down, all this stuff would come into the country. And then the people would have the stuff that they need. Well, if they had the stuff they need, then they would, you know, then the government would fall, you know. But, so they really, it's kind of one of those things they, you know, it's one of the propaganda things. We want the, the blockade to go down, but they really don't want it to go down. The people do, but the government really doesn't. Uh, this is a, we had some time just going out every day, um, visiting folks. A lot of older saints there that got saved when, when the, uh, missionaries were there back in the, in the fifties and, 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 uh, late fifties, early sixties. I think some left in the very early sixties. And so, you know, we visit them in their homes, just sharing the word with them. Some of them just can't even get out at all. Uh, this was it was funny they they have this this is a group of uh, students this guy is from um, somewhere in africa like ivory coast or something i can't remember exactly and these two girls are they're, they're medical students and so they're going around doing surveys asking people stuff so we were able to share the gospel with them this guy you know said he was a believer and uh, the other two girls they were able to show the gospel with them and give them some tracks and stuff so that was neat and here we are it's a Bible study there in one of the homes each evening we had studies either in the chapel or in some of the homes so that's just some of that this is one of the chapels in Havana Salle uh, Evangelica uh, is just Gospel Hall there and uh, I had a, there's a conference there I spoke at the last Saturday I was there and so that's me speaking and, and the folks that are there Angie took this picture from the back and then this is the chapel in Pinar de Rio and again these were buildings that were built by the missionaries back in the you know 50's and they 're still standing and have functioned ever since, even during the time of the revolution. Um, this is the saints there in Pinar de Rio um, just a group of believers there, small group of believers they're good good saints and this is that 's not me that's that's an ox, so <laughs> Angie with the ox. And I was gonna. This thing was like sitting down. I was gonna get on. I was gonna get on this thing and see if I could get it up. But she said, "No, don't do that. Don't do that. You little people might say." But so I just went over and petted it. You know, just kind of gave it thumbs up on the ox there. You know. And then this is us. There's a cave. This was a place we went to visit. And there's a cave there. And that's just me and Angie there with that. I think that's the last one. Yeah, good. So that just kind of gives you an idea. You know, Um, you know, we we take so many things for granted in this country, brethren, and. um, And it's not just a need in Cuba. I mean, in Honduras, I I know kids that walk around with no shoes on. They don't have shoes. People there don't have the money to buy a Bible. Uh, I try to take books down with me when I go. I try to take Bibles down with me when I go. I mean, I just buy these cheap paper Bibles that cost $2.50 each, you know. And uh, other books like Strong's Concordance and stuff, I've got a place that I can buy those very inexpensively. Um, I take them down. There's a discipleship program that I'm going to be uh, speaking at uh, in September in Honduras, and so I take down Strong's Concordance, Vine's Dictionary. There's a Bible Encyclopedia that I take. I take down Bill McDonald's Commentary and Schofield's Bible. And I could buy the whole set of books uh, for 25 or I mean 150 dollars, 160 dollars. So I take that as many of those down. I've taken down about 70, 75 sets of those down so far. And so just to kind of encourage, you know, because, you know, saying you can buy a guy a fish and you can feed him for a day, but you teach him how to fish and he can feed himself and others, you know. So that's one of the goals down there. Uh, the Lord's just opened a lot of doors. I've been to Angie and I went to Peru together and Cuba together and Honduras together so far this year. I've been home two weeks since the first of the year and um, still got plans going back to Cuba in August, Lord willing, uh, back to Honduras in end of August, 1st of September, uh, to Honduras uh, again for three weeks. I'm going to speak at an Elders Conference in October, and then to Costa Rica. There's five assemblies in Costa Rica, and, uh, yeah, they're, they're in bad shape, very bad shape. So um, uh, just a lot of open doors. Um, Joel Clark, of course, is in the States. You all know that, and uh, taking these cancer treatments. Don't really know what his future is. He hopefully can go back later this month um, to at least for a few days and kind of get some things set up. But, you know, there's just a lot of need, brethren. And, um, you know, people ask us, well, why don't you just stay in Honduras or stay here? You know, it's just we feel like the Lord right now just has us going around to these various places and just trying to encourage from time to time, you know. There's just such need here in the States, you know, down here in Miami. um, I'll be in New Orleans for, for about a week doing some meetings and an assembly down there. Um, going to be in Kansas City with a Hispanic Assembly there, where the assembly where Steve Price is, and uh, uh, here in a week. And there's just a lot of needs, a lot of needs out there. And uh, praise the Lord, you know, some of you guys that can speak Spanish and are going to do something here in this part of the town, uh, that's fantastic, you know, because it's just such a wide open door. And it seems like the Hispanic community is so open, so much more open than you know we are. Of course, here in the states, what happens is they come here and they get. I tell them they get contaminated by the American culture, you know. They get start wanting houses and all the stuff that we have. And uh, But in these countries, there's just, just a hunger. It's growing. There's 350 assemblies in Honduras. It's about the size of Tennessee. And uh, they're starting new works all the time. They've got about three new works that I know of that they're starting building the chapels for. They can build a chapel for about $40,000. And all their brethren get together and do all the labor. They just have to buy the materials and it's just there's such needs, you know, and uh and we here in America we um we're gonna give an account someday to the Lord, you know? And not just in these countries, in other countries around the world, there's such a need and we live. Well, let's let's go to he- Hebrews chapter chapter ten. We've got about ten minutes in. I might go five minutes over, okay. Y'all know me well enough. Um Hebrews chapter 10 and just um, verse 37. Let's do verse 36 for context. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise for a little while, and he shall come that will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. You know this this concept of faith. And um, in, in verse chapter eleven, verse one, we have now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's not really a definition of faith. Uh, it's really it's really the fruit, the result of what faith does in our lives. It's it's that substance of things hoped for. That's, it gives us that that vision, that in that understanding, it makes invisible things come into sight. And uh, it's it's the evidence, the proof. In other words, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and we just trust God. And uh, those things that that are inexplicable, humanly speaking, become totally understandable. Uh, later on, goes to say that by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, that things which are not seen were made of things, which, uh, things that are seen are made of things that are not seen. Uh, we understand Genesis chapter one. We don't need any kind of Extra biblical proof. God, God said it. That's enough for us. We don't need anything else. And so, faith is just is really something. It's I think we have this concept of something mystical, but it's not. It's something so common every day. Every time you take an aspirin, it's by faith, because because we weren't there when that aspirin was was put in that bottle. You remember years ago, those were old enough to remember this. When when Tylenol was laced with some kind of poison, I don't remember exactly what it was arsenic or something. I don't know, but people were just taking Tylenol and died. They took it by faith. They said, this is Tylenol. They took it. Never found the person that did that. Never found out how that happened. But people died from it. Uh, Every time you go to a doctor and have an operation when he puts you under anesthesia, you've got to have faith in that doctor and his ability to be able to, to complete the operation and live through it. Every time you get in a, in a car with somebody else, you put faith in the driver. Every time you get in an airplane, you put faith in the pilot. Every time you, you go down the road even, and there's that little line painting between you and the, the guy on the other side of the road, you put faith that that guy's not going to cross that line. Faith isn't something mystical or something that that man himself doesn't have. The natural man has faith. In fact, it takes a lot more faith for a Muslim than us because what would a Muslim do? He'll go in going to a place with a bomb wrapped around his body and explode himself because he's been told that if he does that he'll go up to paradise and have a harem of women virgins waiting for him. So faith itself doesn't save anybody. Right? My mom had faith all her life. Had faith in in the Roman Catholic Church and my brother. She told me just before she died don't you worry about me. Your brother will get me to heaven. She had faith. So it's not faith itself that saves anybody. We read in in Ephesians chapter 2, that by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. But it's not faith that saves us. It's the object of the faith that saves us. Our faith is in Christ, in the word of God, in the promise of God. Verily, verily, I say to you, he, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but has passed from death to life. Well, that, that's what Christ said. Do we believe that? That's faith. So it's in him, in his finished work, when he said, it's finished. We believe that. We don't try to add to it. We don't try to in any way improve upon it. We have faith. So we're saved by faith. And yet, in the church today, there's so many what I call unbelieving believers. And what I mean by that is they've trusted Christ for salvation, but they don't live their life by faith. And here he says, "The just shall live by faith." Now he's, he's quoting from Habakkuk chapter two, verses three and four, and and the context there, he's talking about the pride, the haughtiness of Nebuchadnezzar, who had so much confidence in himself. Remember how in chapter four of of uh, of the book of of, um, of Daniel, where. Um, you know, he's lifted up with pride. Look at me. Look at this kingdom I built. Look at these gardens, these beautiful gardens and everything I've done. And because he wasn't willing to give the glory to God and realize it's God that raises up kings and puts down kings. And it took him seven years of eating grass like a cow and living like an animal in the, in the wilderness to understand that it's God who does those things. And so he's a very proud, haughty man. But in contrast to that pride and haughtiness is faith. Because, because you can't have pride and faith at the same time. They're mutually exclusive. Because pride is faith in myself, confidence in myself. But faith is confidence in another. Putting my trust, my hope in someone else. And we put our trust in Christ who we've never seen. We put our trust in the finished work on the cross that we were none of us were there. But we've heard, we've seen the word of God. That's what's been testified to us. And we believe that. And he says therefore we're justified being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so faith is that thing that that although it's common among men we we take that from whatever we had it in before ourselves or some church or some religion or some other activity and we put it solely and wholly in the person of Christ. And if we can do that if we can trust him when we're lost when we're enemies when we're de- when we're débil when we're weak when we're without God and without hope in the world, we can do that. Then how is it so difficult for us to put trust in Christ when we're his children? Because he says the just shall live by faith. Now it's found three times. The number three is, is significant because it's the number of deity, but it's also the number of certainty, of secure of security. And so it's found in in Romans chapter 1, verse 17. It's found in Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. And here in Hebrews chapter 10, and verse 38. And and I like to look at it this way. You know, the theme of of Romans is the gospel, which is the power of God and salvation. And I like to think of it this way. The emphasis on the just shall live by faith. And then I like Galatians. It's not just being saved by faith. It's how do we live? How, how do we conduct ourselves if we were saved through faith now the the problem in in there in the church of the galatians was they were living trying to live by their own energies by their own wisdom by their own uh abilities and so paul was saying the just shall live by faith and then finally here in, in chapter 10 of hebrews which is just kind of the introduction to chapter 11 which is that that great, God, that great chapter on men and women of, who put their faith and trust, who just trusted God in his word. Like Abraham, he believed God and was counting him for righteousness. And all the rest. Some of them are even just named. Some of them, not, they're not even named. There's just some of the exploits that they did. But, but the emphasis is faith. So the just shall live by faith. <laughs> and brethren, if, if, if we as men and women followers of Jesus Christ, tell people, Put your trust in Jesus. Put your trust in the gospel, in the, in the finished work of Christ. Put your trust in Him. Everything you got, put it in Christ. And then they look at our lives and say, but what about you? Here you are. You say you're a Christian and yet you live like us. Your faith is in your bank account. It's in your job. It's in what you possess. It's in your intelligence or your ability or your education. And we're no different than the world so many times. And it's not just, you know, we have this concept, well, you know, missionaries live by faith and committed workers live by faith. And a few spiritual people live by faith. Brethren, it's for all of us. The just, and if we've been justified, we've been made just before God. The just, he didn't say the unique, the, the, the elite, the few. It says the just shall live by faith. And if we can trust God for our salvation, which was far more, and, and don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say here, but I think you understand what I mean, far more difficult than taking care of us right now. You know, In other words, it, it costs a whole lot more to God to save us than it does to meet our daily needs, right? Because it cost him his son. And he's the owner of a cattle on a thousand hills. It's according to his riches and grace that he provides for us. If, if, he, could, if he could pay that great price for us being enemies of God, lost and undone, it's totally separate, with no knowledge, with no desire for God whatsoever. If he could love us and send his son to die for us and by grace through faith save us, why wouldn't he do that for us as children? And we read those verses and we believe those verses and we teach those verses about if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. That, that if, if your son asks you a, a loaf of bread, you're not going to give him a rock. You know? We're not we're going to treat our children in an evil way, and yet we're sinners. We, we're, we're failures at best. We, we don't have the capacity or the love or the, or the patience or the kindness that God has by any stretch. And yet we can, our children can trust us. How come we can't trust God? You know, it's interesting that he says all that will come to Christ have to come as little children. And yet you know, we do. We do as little children when we get saved. We trust God like a little child. But then sometimes we grow up And we get grown up and we forget that we're still children. We forget what Paul says, I'll never know anything like I should know it. That we haven't come to that place of perfection, that we're still falling so far short of the glory, the standard of God. And we try to live our lives in our own intelligence. And sometimes even when we preach, when we teach, when we go out and evangelize, we try to do in our own strength and ability. And brethren, we ask ourselves why we fail so many times. Paul said, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. When I have no confidence in my flesh, that's when I can have the victory. And if he would say that, brother, how much more do we need it? He says in verse 6 of chapter 11, but without faith it's impossible to please him. In Romans chapter 14, I think it's verse 23, he says, if it's not done by faith, it's sin. And what what does that mean? In other words, brother, if, if we try to do something in our own energy and strength, it's in the flesh it's in the flesh and it's sin it's because God says cast all your cares upon me don't be anxious about anything but by, by prayer and supplication let your request be known unto God and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard garrison about your hearts and your minds in Christ he doesn't say pray about the things that you can't do yourself he doesn't say pray about the things that you can't in your own ability somehow solve the, the problem he says about everything about everything and the problem with us all is we've got too much of Jacob in us where we try to buy our own devices and our own abilities and our own intelligence to do things. We've got to come to the point where we're like Jacob when he got touched in his pride, right? And he was crippled. And from that time on, he was that man who walked by faith, who leaned upon that staff and trusted the Lord. And that's what we need to be, leaning on the Lord Jesus Christ. And just trusting Him for every little thing in our lives. No matter what it might be. And brethren that's you know to be so pleasing to Him. That's what He really wants. That's what He really wants. Because a lack of faith is really what we're saying to God is. You know what you can't do it. I'll take care of it myself. You can't do it or you don't want to do it. Or you don't care about doing it. Or whatever it might be. And, And brethren if any of our children ever said that to us wouldn't it hurt? I mean it would hurt me. It would bother me. I love it. My children are all grown gone. My oldest daughter Elizabeth is 37, the youngest one's 28. They're all gone. They have their own families and everything. But I still love it when they call me up and say, "Uh Papa, can you help me? I don't I'm going to change the oil in my car. I'm going to change the radiator in my car and I'm not sure how to do it. G- give me some advice. Give me some help." What? I mean, you're not a blessing, you know? For those of us that have children that age and are gone, it's it's a, it's a joy, isn't it? Well, you know, God is the exact same way. He loves it when we cast our cares upon Him. He loves it when we're totally dependent upon Him, when we come to Him with everything. There's nothing too small to trust God about. There's nothing too small to pray about. The just shall live by faith. So I just want to encourage you, brethren, let's, let's not just leave that for the few. Let's just leave this for, for those of us that are, you know, we don't have secular employment or we don't have some kind of, of gainful way of, of gaining, you know, the things that we need in order to be able to live and pay the mortgage and pay the, the rent or whatever it might be. It's for all of us. It's for all of us that just shall live by faith. Our Father, our God in heaven, I thank you again for the dear brethren here at Boulevard Chapel. I thank you for their zeal for the things of christ for their gospel and for the the ministering to the people uh in the community here whether they be um english-speaking people or the hispanic people or even others father that are in the community around them i just pray that you would bless them in those efforts and let it not be anything of themselves but let it all be of you let it be the spirit that lives in them and through them to do great things for the glory of your son the lord jesus christ because he deserves it and again just bless them um in the the, the leadership here, the elders that you have provided for this assembly, the deacons that, that help and, and take some of the burden off those men that they might be able to labor in the word and in visitation and in shepherding the flock and, and, uh, those men that take care of some of the temporal needs around the building here for the, for everyone that's involved in the work here, that they might labor together, that it might be unity of, of heart, of spirit, of purpose, and that you might bless this assembly, not because they deserve any of it, but because you love them so much because they're, they're that representation of your bride here on the earth. That they might shine out as a light in the midst of darkness and they might be an encouragement in building up one another. That all would come to a maturity and an understanding of the truth of God's word. That again, in all things, Father, they might be pleasing in your sight. And we pray these things for the glory and honor of your dear Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.